Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video <laughs> game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley, believe it or not. I'm Stephen Hilger. You sucker punched me with opening the show. We were we were mid-convo. I man. know. You were in the middle of taking a sip of cold brew, which I think is the perfect <laughs> time to hit you uh, with that hello. That big hello. We always say this whenever we take a week off. For, for those who don't know, we record every Sunday. I'm like... For the past three years, I think we've maybe taken like four breaks. Yeah, I don't know. Like very know. few. It's wild. Yeah. So whenever we take a week off, it really like completely changes up like the mood and the vibe. And it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. You know, like really. Yeah. And, it, and that means that we both enjoyed doing the show, which is nice. But like uh, there's always this element of like you've shaken up a bottle of soda, you know, and now <laughs> this episode is like going to be opening that bottle. Yeah. Uh, we are, we're also recording two back to back today. We're recording this episode and also our, our bonus episode, which should be out the same week as the one you're listening to right now. But, uh, yeah, that, so it's as if, you know, you're opening up the, the bottle, but also dropping like a mento in, you know? Uh, so my, uh, my friend Connor, I'll give you a shout out. He swung by my place the other day to drop off a birthday present, which is very kind of him. But, and he went to hand me the bag the gift was in and it's been so long since I've like talk to another person in real life i didn't oh, yeah. really know what to do with my hands so i just gave him like a light knuckle tap just like <laughs> like not even like a fist pump like just like mid knuckles like i was like what was that so we we started doing that afterwards but that's great yeah it's it's uh we're in a season of readjusting i think totally uh, in terms of social uh grace yeah and, and you got etiquette. your second vaccine Wednesday. Uh, actually, the day this episode comes out, I will be getting the second shot. So oh, hell yeah. May 12th, I will be uh, all set, which is... I, I've said this off the show. Um, I remember, like, even a few weeks ago, seeing Chicago's website that was like, in May, everyone will get it. And I was like, yeah, fucking right. It's October. I know this. I yeah. feel this. I, I was so, not pessimistic, but, like, I just, you know, just so relieved that, like, a lot. I know I know it's still, like, difficult to get, but I'm just, like, it's happening so much faster than I thought it would. And the fact that, like, I could, like, actually make a trip home this summer at some point is, like, really nice. I mean, yeah. I... I, uh, I'm excited. You know, I don't, I don't want to act like I've only been going through this. It's, it's a global issue, yeah, <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm happy for everyone. I'm happy that we're all able to slowly get back to our, our lives. Yeah. I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully done at this point. I've, I'm nice. two weeks out from my second dose, which is wild. Um, so I, I am like planning things for the first yeah. time in a long time, which is wild. Uh, yeah yeah it's, it's weird it's a shocking thing and i think you're right i think like you know that on top of everything else you know it's like spring now which is beautiful I, I just went and looked at like the cherry blossoms in the botanical garden near my house uh yesterday which was really nice i feel like there's like a lot of good art happening too i'm feeling like very inspired and re- reinvigorated in a like a pretty cool way um been like watching a lot of like good shows listening to good music playing good video games which we'll talk about uh reading good books i don't know it's just it's just nice it's like a kind of a nice time for the first time in a while yeah it's it's a lot of things kind of aligning up and this, this time of year i always feel really nice it's also my fucking birthday so. yeah well, it was late April. Yeah. Happy birthday again. Thank you. But we're in Taurus season now. Buckle up, baby. Get ready for <laughs> routines and comfort. Uh-huh. 
as we hurdle towards Gemini season. <laughs> wow. Yeah, all, all good stuff there. But um, I do want to say thanks, by the way, to the to the listeners of the show, because we mentioned that we were taking a week off and like literally not a single person was like, boo, like not a single person was like bummed about it. everyone was yeah, just like, what the hell? take your time. And that's really nice. It's, it's oh, nice totally. to know that uh, you out there, dear listener, uh, also understand that we are people who need to take a week off sometimes. If anything, the feedback we've been getting is like, stop making so much, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's said it's said much more politely. But like whenever we drop something, they're like, please, I'm trying to catch up with like eight other <laughs> games of the decade sized events yeah uh, i'm still going through sword and shield man give me a second <laughs> <laughs> so th- thank you thank you dear listener uh for being yeah, thank you. so understanding uh it's really nice it's a really nice situation to be in um, yeah anyway uh you want to start the, the <laughs> yeah let's uh, talk about our first piece of good art <laughs> so here's the deal <laughs> Uh, we took a week off. Everything is is realigned or misaligned. We're sort of peeking at the mirror universe, if you will. Mm. <laughs> and uh, just say it. Just okay. say it out loud. I'll say it. I downloaded League of Legends: uh, Wild Rift there on is. my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have been having a great time with it. It's really great. Okay, so I'd like to. I, the reason I was hesitant to say that was I was trying to frame this in my head because like this is such like a massive not even blind spot but like i've actively like not wanted to play this game for a very long time Mm -hmm. and uh for those who don't know league of legends is in the genre of a moba a multiplayer online battle arena which i think i might be one of eight people who knows what that what it stands for i'm gonna be honest i didn't know that it stood for that i imagine the people who play them know that right sure but it's one of those acronyms that's kind of become its own word you know like there's some acronyms where like you don't really need to know what it stands for it itself is the new meaning yeah absolutely so mobas are games that are kind of hard to describe and even harder to get into for a million different reasons (laughs) um and i'm sure there were games before this that like were, were, you know, kind of the cosmic in, inspiration or influence for MOBAs, but really the first big one was Dota. And now, if, if y'all don't mind, and Brennan, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you back to the early 2000s and share oh, shit. my initial experience with maybe the first MOBA and why for years I have sworn off the genre and not wanted to give it the time of day. I love this. I didn't know I was going to get like a little history bit here. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Buckle I'm- up baby i was literally just about to say i'm buckling my seatbelt. get your hair gel out give yourself a front flip and Uh listen to some uh you know early 2000s uh butt rock because we're going back baby so 2000s i uh am a child and i live in a house (laughs) oh cool (laughs) i love this story already (laughs) yeah it all started in early 2000s. I was a human. I lived in a house. I lived in a house. <laughs> I ate cereal for breakfast sometimes if I didn't wake up too late. It was back in the day when a part of the house was the office. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I'm sure people still do that, but like architecturally, I mean, yeah, you, you've got it. But like, I'm in one. It was like a. It was like you assumed you will have a desktop set up, you know, and and you will mm-hmm. have an office room. Uh, me, my mom, and my sister all shared one like big ass Dell that was not good, and we had dial up for like eons. Like yeah. I didn't not have dial up until maybe 2009. Like truly. Whoa. Yeah. People would send me videos, and I'm like, I'll get back to you in five years when I can watch this. <laughs> And I remember there was a year where like I just sat down and I was like, okay, give me 
the the viral hits of the last 10 years i could finally watch them is that is that i do remember like a distinct era where the internet wasn't good enough but youtube already did exist so you would like open a bunch of windows of youtube and then let them all buffer overnight so they would load and then you could go watch them the next day very sad moment in, in internet yeah. usage history on top of that our dial-up was connected to the one phone line of the house so yeah. like if you tried to log on to aol and your family member was on the phone, you would like hear them yelling through like the internet noise. Like I'm on the phone. It was, it sounds a lot like when Neo wakes up in the matrix, you know, where it's like, ah, it's very scary. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of why I never really like, I, I've always been more with the consoles because like we didn't really have like a super great internet connection that rules out like most like early PC games. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was really into civilization and really into like the Sims and stuff, but like I can never really play anything that required like a online setup but i did love warcraft 3 i adored warcraft 3 reign of chaos and frozen throne um i liked starcraft fine but i loved warcraft 3 mm. like probably if i had to like look at all the blizzard releases like maybe next to overwatch i think warcraft 3 was my favorite way more than wow i didn't really get into wow oddly enough yeah me either uh, and in Warcraft 3, you could, when you played online, which I loved it so much, I tried to do despite everything. And I, you know, managed to get at least five matches in, in the course of three years. But, uh, <laughs> as like an 11 year old, 12 year old, I would, uh, play online and there were custom matches where like you could play the normal game with people or you could play like mods basically. Um, and there was some really cool stuff happening there. I mean, some nightmare stuff too, but like footman frenzy, great time. And the biggest one by far was Dota. Right. Uh, defense of the ancients so dota was a mod of warcraft 3 that basically what warcraft 3 introduced in the real-time strategy series of warcraft and starcraft was not only are you sending units to gather resources to make buildings that make more units to fight but you also have a hero character who like levels up by fighting enemies and you can teach them like what spells they learn. Ah, oh, I loved all the voices are coming back to me. Uh, <laughs> I played I played Undead a lot and the I think I forgot his name, but there was one hero who was like a big Batman, like not Batman DC, but like oh, okay. <laughs> Kind of like a man with bat features. And when he's like, big Batman, big Batman, <laughs> when you summoned big Batman, he went, what mortal? And when you, when you oh, told nice. him where to go, he would go, agreed. That was my plan. Oh, like, that, good. That is just stuck in my head alongside more work. All right. Off I go then from the peasants. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to shout, build more farms at you in 2021. Let's move on. <laughs> So Dota was this thing, and a lot of my friends who also play Warcraft 3 would be like, hey, you've got to play Dota. And I was like, I'm really trying, man, because one, I have this dial-up connection, so like, fingers crossed, I have like a one out of eight chance of having like a match happen. Right. And two, it was like easily, like even in that nightmare era of early 2000s, it was like the most toxic, least welcoming place to be ever. Yeah. Uh, you would go into a lobby and I would just get kicked out because I had never played a match before. They would just say kick whatever my shitty battle net name was in yeah. 2001. But they would just kick me out so I could never play a match. And then like, I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to even try then. Uh, and I didn't realize at that time that it was like going to be this like worldwide phenomenon. Cut to, I think, 2009. I think 
think Dota is like still popular at that point, but 2009 was when League of Legends first came out and it was sort of an attempt to be like a more kind of like official packaging of it. Right. And what Dota was, was you basically, they took the idea of having a hero character, but like that's all you had to focus on. So you were just that hero and there were like two bases and lanes of minions would just sort of automatically spawn and go to attack, you know, the next thing in front of them. So it's it's kind of hard to pitch if you like aren't already familiar with like what led to this as a mod, but like basically you're controlling one hero, you're leveling up by fighting like AI, but there are also human controlled heroes wandering the map. So you have to like kind of strategize like when do you like push or pull back? Mm. What abilities are you learning? What hero are you playing as? All that was introduced in Dota. And League of Legends was like, let's do that, but like make it like a game that will teach you how to play in some way but from what i know league of legends like did not really do super well right away it wasn't until like a few years after that like it became this like global phenomenon and then i think in 2010 valve made dota 2 so like ironically blizzard is like left out of this genre that they like inadvertently created yes until they made i think heroes of the storm like in 2013 which is blizzard's moba with like blizzard characters Weirdly, and, and I'm saying all this because I think it's like simultaneously a genre that is like so massively popular on a global scale that like chances are you probably already know this. You're like, why are you explaining it? But I think there's like a huge amount of people, myself included, who are like completely ignorant to like what this world even is, you yes. know? So that's kind of, would you add anything to that and just like describing the genre itself? Um, yeah, not really outside of just like, you know, when, when people talk about the rise of esports as like a thing, you know, stadiums being built across the world and stuff like that, like usually they're referring to league or Dota, uh, but generally right. league. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I played a lot of Heroes of the Storm right when it came out, um, because that was pitched as like the entry point to this genre like if you were like you and i kind of left in the dust of this like i would say like anecdotally uh vitriolic kind of community um that like didn't really accept new people and and a lot of like get good scrub kind of uh banter uh in chat and stuff like heroes of the storm was supposed to be like the solve for that and i ended up playing a bunch of it and then just like falling off because i like didn't know anyone else who's playing it either Um, so i wasn't like making friends i wasn't playing with anybody it was literally just me doing random matches and then losing a lot because i like didn't really know what i was doing that well and uh ended up just bailing so This has also kind of been a real dark spot for me just in terms of like genre. Uh, It's something I've always been like really interested in because I do like personally know a bunch of people who play these games a lot and like really enjoy them. Yeah. And I've kind of always wanted to get it in a real way and here's the storm is the closest i got but the thing was like that just felt to me like a like a blizzard version of super smash brothers and like not in a fun way it was more like it was as if super smash brothers was like literally just a marketing vehicle for new things you know because it was like right around when overwatch was happening and then they just kept adding overwatch characters to heroes of the storm and it was like okay i get it like you want to promote the new thing but like it's not making the game better for me you know yeah. And and that was kind of my issue was like, I, I think there was no real tutorial in there. And, and there was like no real way for like a new person to come in. They kind of assumed that you knew or were coming from Dota 2 or League of Legends already to be able to play that game. And maybe that's changed since then. And maybe that's also changed in Dota and League. I'm not really sure. But the release of Wild Rift last month was like 
pretty big for I think what you and I were looking for. Yeah. So I, I really want to drill this point. Like you and I play a lot of games and like I think we have like a we try to like discern like okay like how welcoming is this like for someone with no prior knowledge or whatever. Like I think we've got a pretty good eye for like a game that can teach you how to play it. You know like there's a yeah. difference between like Dark Souls where like yes they're leaving a lot of stuff to be discovered but the joy of that game is like learning the language of it by what is there. Like they, the game mm-hmm. is like trust thing that you will intuitively learn because it's built to be intuitive. There yeah. is negative in- intuition <laughs> in the early, like you will have no fucking clue what to do unless someone sits you down and says, here's how to do it. Right. And you really needed that. So add that need to one of the most toxic fandoms online and you're left with nothing. It's like, I need someone to explain this to me, but I need to trust just the random person on my team to help me. And that's going to be a nightmare. Nine right. times out of ten. Yeah. And and even in the situation of like, maybe you have a friend who is like teaching you how to play it. Like, they're also going to be frustrated with you. Because right. Because that's, that's the community. That's the vibe of like people who play the game. Unfortunately. And this, again, is coming from like the outside. Maybe there's wonderful people. I'm sure there are. Oh, Oh, yeah. like, I mean, we both have a lot of friends. Like, I, I have a lot of friends who play these games. And like, again, this is maybe like actually the most popular game in the world. So when you have these kind of numbers, like you're going to see more negativity, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think it's like that's unfortunately sometimes the dominant voice. Add that to Riot Games like nightmare. <laughs> just like As stuff. a company. Yeah. As a company. It's like this is a world I don't even want to step close to. But there was a great Polygon article about Wild Rift, I think by Cass. Marshall. Cass Marshall, yeah. And and they said like I've been playing League since like 2009. This is not only the best time to get into it for newcomers, but this is also like a really cool step for the game itself. Yeah. You know, it's not even just like this is the way to learn League so you can then play it on PC. It's like this is actually just a great way to play it objectively. Yeah. I want to I want to touch on that point again later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got it cuz I was just curious. I mean, I think in the time we've been doing this show, you and I both have genres to gravitate towards and the whole show is just us talking about things we like. We're not, you know, we don't need to check things out just because they exist. But I think you and I both have a genuine curiosity of like, this is something I have no clue what it is. Let me give it a fair shake, even if I assume I won't like it. You yeah. know, I think Call of Duty Mobile is a great example of something where you're like, this is a series that we've like constantly bump up against because it has great gameplay, but like it constantly veers closer and closer towards this like kind of irresponsible narratives, you know, in the campaign. Totally. Yeah. And Call of Duty Mobile has become kind of like a weird bright spot in that entire (laughs) franchise somehow by removing like literally everything except for just like having fun and and playing multiplayer matches. And I do want to mention before we get into talking about Wild Rift, I have been playing Call of Duty Mobile like literally every day since we (laughs) last recorded. Um, I, I play it for like maybe 20 to 30 minutes a day. I play like a couple matches in the morning while I'm waiting for my coffee to like finish brewing uh and it's really fucking good man i like it a lot yeah but anyway that's a great example it's a great example of a game that i just assumed i would hate yeah and i didn't i just didn't really know i was just genuinely curious and based on that article that i read i was like this might be something fun to check out this is like a total left field thing you know yeah and i also like the the only i guess moba-esque thing i got really into was overwatch which is less of a moba and more of a first person shooter but i would for someone who still doesn't grasp like what this game is i would actually point to overwatch as a good example of like the skeleton of overwatch is a team 
of heroes that all have unique abilities and spells. And a lot of the strategy of that game is like, when do we push or pull back? When do we use certain abilities? When mm-hmm. do we use them like alongside each other? It's really like a first person MOBA mixed with the shooter, which is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I, man, I really love, before we did the show, like Overwatch was like the game I played. Yeah, that was most. like the like, game, right? Yeah. I was really good with Zenyatta. So what? Um, <laughs> and uh, I loved it. I, I really had a great time with that game. So there was, there's, and you know, I loved Warcraft 3. There were like bits and pieces within me that I knew would enjoy a MOBA. So I downloaded Wild Rift. And like the thing I will say objectively about this game is that it has not only a great tutorial for someone like you and I who are new to the genre, it's one of the best tutorials I've seen like in a game, to be completely honest. Like the way they handle teaching you this, it's so fast. They are teaching you stuff that is really fucking weird and specific (laughs) as if it's like push A to jump. You know, they're like, here's the color a turret will be when it's not targeting you, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, like within what would have taken probably three weeks of playing matches online to like pick up on. Yeah. They've just told you straight up in like less than two minutes. Yeah. So the game opens. First of all, it looks really nice. Like the the presentation here is really great. You know, the, the character design, I'm a little bit hit or miss on depending on the characters. There are so many. It feels like they're just sort of throwing stuff at the wall. That's my that's my big uh like issue with I would say this game as a whole it's just like I don't know what the fuck is going on with any of these characters I don't know how I'll ever learn that and I don't know how yeah. people have learned that in the past unless you were like <laughs> there when the character was introduced literally every time over the history of right. the making of this game but anyway but wait before we move on from the tutorial like so right about it I mean I I so quickly went from like I haven't played any games like this since Heroes of the Storm and even Heroes of the Storm has like a weird kind of twist on some of those rules anyway because like Blizzard was trying to do their own thing with that yeah so it was like okay let me learn what league is i've i've never tried to play league and i've never tried to play dota um so trying to go through that tutorial at first i was like oh my god what the fuck is going on here what do you mean like single duo lanes like what is this middle one just for mages like I, how do i know what character is right. a mage or what's not and then immediately they're just like well here's five characters try all of them like oh yeah. okay and then you very quickly know what's going on. Uh, and what's really wonderful about it is that the tutorial is like, I think it's nine steps. I think there are nine parts of the tutorial, but you only have to go through the first three before they're like, okay, let's put you in a match. Let's like get yes. you in a match. It's going to be you and four other people who are just starting the game against five computers who like suck. Uh, and you will just like <laughs> be in a match and you will learn more by doing than by continuing this tutorial path. But when you want to, you can go back into the tutorial and then learn more about how to play some of the other characters and that is so smart because that is like really both ways of learning and i think they're incorporated together really well you know there's like the uh, being taught versus teaching yourself kind of dichotomy between how people learn things and this game just like manages to do both in a way that feels so seamless that you don't even realize it's happening until like it's over and you're playing the game for you know four or five hours straight yeah unfortunately <laughs> for me i i have not stayed up past midnight in a while and i accidentally have playing this game but yeah the tutorial is wonderful and again that's exactly the point because i think a lot of games make the mistake of like throwing like Monster Hunter Rise for example is like Mm -hmm. they are throwing 20 tutorial windows at you constantly and you're like I haven't played the game yet. I can't even like attach this paragraph to a thought yet because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. 
Whereas this game, like you said, they let you play for a bit. And then when you go back to the tutorial menu, they teach you more specific things that are like, okay, now that you know like how the game works mechanically mm-hmm. and like what you need to know just to play it, here are like the specific things like, oh, if you kill a dragon, it gives the team a boost, you know, stuff right. like that. Yeah. Where like, you know, if they threw that at you before you could play, you'd be like, what is this? A kill a dragon to buff the team? What? <laughs> and what's great too is that, so it's free to play. The main critique I've seen from people who play on pc is that they can't carry over their like progress and stuff so like the heroes and skins they've unlocked on pc are unique to pc and and vice versa yeah it is kind of weird because like one of the first things they ask you is if you have a riot account already so it's like sure it's kind of bizarre they wouldn't pull that stuff over, I guess, for the long-term players. But I'm, I mean, obviously, you and I are probably fine with it because yeah, we didn't right. have any history there. And and I think you can tell they've just they've gone all out with it in a way that feels like so official. And this goes back to what we've been saying about like how far mobile has come in terms of uh, the games on mobile not being like a like minimized version of a game, but their own experience. And of course, there have to be things that are streamlined. But like, it is really amazing. Like when I'm playing this, I really kind of forget that I'm playing on a phone like the touch controls work really well you know yeah. it's got you have a virtual analog stick to move which like i'm normally like eh on but like it works pretty well here yeah. and then you have like all the abilities to tap um on the right and they have really great targeting where like there are little icons you can just press to like target different people but like the way the auto auto targeting works like usually is pretty good i also tend to play a lot of aoe characters so like i don't care i'm just hitting everything <laughs> but yeah so it's free to play and I'm I will say that like, you know, I think free to play unfortunately is at a state now where like inherently there are predatory things happening, but this game's pretty good overall at avoiding a lot of the like mobile tropes. Yeah, it's like shockingly generous pretty much up front. I mean, even just that tutorial that I was talking about, that nine-step tutorial, like they take you through the first three parts. If you ever go back and finish the other six parts of that tutorial, they just give you a character for free and you get to pick whoever yeah, you want. Yeah, of your choice, yeah. And, yeah. and what's great too is like, it isn't like a, oh, you got a three-star uh, fizz or whatever his name is, <laughs> right. but like you just get the characters if you unlock them in Smash Brothers and like within an hour, you'll at least have five who are all like their own unique class so right like i've been playing this game for three days i'm playing a lot but like without spending any money i have 20 characters of the 60 that are available so like you're just gonna get everyone where the money comes in are like it's like it's monetized in a Fortnite or overwatch way where there are like a lot of different skins and stuff but like i i did get the battle pass because i was like okay like i have been playing so much of this i just want to see what's up and you know it's 10 bucks i've regret doing because it's not great but i'm also glad it's not great because it's like that means there's even less reason to spend any money you know unless (laughs) you really want like certain poses like it's really like it's all the stuff you would get in an overwatch loot box and be disappointed with like that's what you get from the battle pass but what is nice is you do get items that are like boost the experience your team gets from the match so like if there are people on your team that have you know purchase these things whether it's with the in-game currency or not like it will benefit the other people yeah the one thing they do is that the menus are a little bit hard to navigate and there's like a lot of free stuff you can redeem that you might easily miss so like yeah that feels a little like i don't know if it's just bad ui or if they're trying to trick you yeah that that gets back to what i was trying to hit on last episode or maybe two episodes ago um when talking about genshin impact and how like you turn that game on and it's just like immediately a video game in like all the ways that you expect and not a free-to-play game in all the ways you expect like you open up call duty mobile and there's like 14 different ads you have to click x on before you can even (laughs) see the menu and the menu is like a nightmare of like glowing yellow neon like buttons that all take you to different ways to monetize the game and not 
to play the video game. And and this game, I would say, has a much cleaner version of that idea. Yes, it's like it's absolutely. closer to Call of Duty Mobile in terms of like the way their UI is structured, but it is like remarkably well designed, I think. Yeah, it's um, really nice to look at. And it's also yeah. like so I, I don't think there's any pressure, like there's no like uh pay to win stuff going on here because like all the heroes are like their own character and honestly there's so many i mean there are more heroes in i think pc like there's only 63 on mobile right now because i think they probably wanted to like keep it balanced and like mm. it's a new game and it's also kind of almost a proof of concept of like could you take you know the biggest pc game and put it on a phone and have it be good and the answer is yes which is like really incredible you know even if this is not the kind of game for you I think that it's like a really remarkable moment for like mobile games you know and and just the proof of concept of like what could happen I don't want to be like you know thank god for League of Legends Wild Rift but I just think it's like it really shows what you could do in a mechanical way yeah here's so. the thing that's interesting about Wild Rift and League of Legends on on phone specifically is that like MOBAs as a genre are extraordinarily popular on mobile everywhere but the US. Yeah. And, and and I don't think it's like, at least in my opinion, having like looked this up a bit, like it doesn't seem like a lot of people are releasing them on mobile in the US. It seems like a lot of uh, companies trying to make MOBAs for smartphones tend to just say like, oh, MOBAs aren't as big in the US so we just won't release it on like the iPhone in the US or whatever. Um, and they'll just like put it out everywhere else. There are like three or four different MOBAs that I can think of that are like exclusive to outside of the US yeah. that have like literally no release date and no plans to ever come here. And here's Riot being like, okay, well, there is an audience for this in the States. So like, why not? You know, it's also, I mean, they're owned by Tencent and there was pressure. Tencent literally told them like make League of Legends on mobile. And they originally said like, I don't know if that would work. Yeah. Uh, and then Tencent like just released other MOBAs instead. <laughs> and they're like, okay, wait, give us a chance. And then they <laughs> you know, made this. Well, the, the, the thing that's interesting about Wild Rift, I think, you know, outside of the fact that it's just like, okay, well, they've kind of like proven that they can do it is like, I think they've proven that they could like make their actual like base game better and that's the thing that i i really yeah. want to touch on and that's the thing and you know again this is coming from a place of like slight ignorance because i haven't played like the original league of legends but what i know about the original league of legends is like uh the community is you know inherently pretty toxic chat is terrible uh, and also matches take 45 minutes to an hour and in this game chat is like so hidden away that you'll probably never notice that it exists and on top of that matches only take like 15 minutes or less yeah it's really it's really nice and it fits so well into like like you said before like i can just play a couple rounds like before i start working or like yeah you know like when i wake up or you know once commutes are a thing again this is going to be my commute game for sure right uh, and that that's i i think like it, it creates this interesting dichotomy between the pc version and the mobile version having the the match length be shorter because like i can see if you're a person who like is really fucking into league of legends and you're sitting in an arena having a 45 minute match like feels like sports right like yeah that that right. is like there's going to be a lot of emotion there's going to be a lot of like wild plays that can happen within those 45 minutes because there's so many different ways to play with all the different characters the different metas for each characters and team composition things like that like i understand where the esports element comes in and i understand why having a match be 45 minutes like is kind of a benefit to that kind of play and that kind of like spectator experience but i'm just never going to get into that personally like, <laughs> me, like me personally brendan yeah. i will never ever ever want to watch that or get into that versus this which is like 
like you kind of have all the same highs and lows. There are still exciting things that are happening. It's just it's all condensed. It's just all yeah. happening much faster. And I and from what I understand, and, and I, I don't know everything about this, but like from what I understand, it really just comes down to how much experience you get. You get a lot of experience much faster. So you're leveling up and unlocking your abilities much faster than you normally would. For example, and this might mean something to somebody, it didn't really mean anything to me, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway, because this is what I heard the big difference is, is that you unlock your ultimate ability at level five. And I think that used to happen at level 10. So like that's like a huge shift in like how quickly you're getting the like biggest and best ability your character has, uh, which will allow you to do like cooler things earlier in matches. And that's awesome. Yeah, I just I've been really enjoying it. And it's kind of nice just to see like, okay, like, while there are all these negatives you've already brought up. This is still the most popular game in the world. And like, we have a video game podcast, we should maybe check it out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm glad I did. I mean, I... This fits a very similar place to Hearthstone, which I might say that out loud and a lot of people listening might like have shivers down their spine of like <laughs> all the money and time they've spent on Hearthstone in 2014, like myself. But I, I think, yeah. take monetization aside, I think that like it just is scratching a very old itch that like I haven't really felt since Warcraft 3. You know, like those mm-hmm. days of like, because I don't really play a lot of games online. Like most games I play are like more narrative or more like single player focused. And right. Uh, there is a part of me that does really enjoy to do these quick matches. That's why I like fighting games a lot. Again, talk about quick matches. It's over very quickly, yeah. you know, and I like and there is fighting game DNA here, you know, in terms of like choosing a character, learning their abilities. What is interesting, too, is like uh, going back to the chat. There are like a few you can kind of. It's a little bit like it's not quite as advanced as Apex Legends ping system. Yeah. But it's a similar thing where you can be like, okay, attack here, group up here. I found it to be overall pretty useful. Every now and then you'll be in a match with someone who just spams attack the Nexus, which honestly made me laugh because it's just like <laughs> the Nexus is like the thing at the other side of the map that you have to destroy to win. And like just someone be like, attack the Nexus, attack the Nexus. Like, like yeah, man, I'm yeah. Trying, what do you think I'm doing? It's essentially like someone yelling like score a bat during a basketball game it's like yeah (laughs) obviously but what's interesting is that so there are you know you could do matches of four against ai and at least currently for me there are two difficulties there's the intro difficulty which is what you mentioned before and there's intermediate which is pretty tough like it's going to prepare you for pvp and pvp is you know human players so it can go up and down but um those are unranked and then once you get to level 10 you can do ranked matches which i've done a few now uh to be given the the complimentary bronze tier afterwards um but what's really (laughs) fascinating about ranked mode is that in pvp or ai matches any any unranked match which i think they're just called normal matches you can pretty much pick anyone you can't have duplicate heroes but like you can play as anybody even if you have like a bunch of characters that would like traditionally play in a certain lane and this is actually very interesting because all the lane stuff is apparently stuff that just players have adopted like in the meta so this game is like kind of almost cementing them as like classes yeah like canonizing it yeah you can still play it with around it like you don't have to like it's not like you're gonna play in one lane the whole game but traditionally it's like okay on one side of the map it's gonna be duo so it might be like a tank and a healer or you know a support class and some kind of fighter on the other side it's a, a solo and then in the middle is mages and then there's a jungler which is just someone who runs around the jungle and fights monsters which like i still don't fully understand but it is very interesting because uh, there are monsters that will spawn throughout a match that if you kill them it gives the team like a big buff or it might like like baron nasher is the big one where if you kill it 
all the minions on your side will become really powerful and it's yeah. pretty much game over like if they get baron asher it's done man i'm sorry yeah but anyway <laughs> what's interesting is that you have to kind of it's like you're it's like you're soloing but you're also thinking about the team and you can weasel in and out of the jungle to like what i learned after a while i'm like do i just stay in the jungle like should i ignore everything else and then what i realized ideally is like you pop in the lane when you need to so it's like right. you're kind yeah, of the you can wild like help card. some people if you right. like you can help your teammates in the solo or duo lanes every once in a while yeah so in ranked mode they actually draft you into a lane before you even choose your character so they're like in this match you're going to play jungle or you're going to play mid which i think I love sounds that. limiting but it actually just it just erases the need to like argue as a team of who <laughs> plays what yeah but what's really funny is like for whatever reason i kept getting jungle and i'm like dude do you see my win ratio with ash why are you giving me jungle every time i say <laughs> I, I don't get the jungle uh, the only character who plays jungle that i like is the most boring ass knight who goes like my dad's the king like i don't want to play as him <laughs> I want to play as the steampunk robot or Ash, please. Thanks. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I realize, and this is easy to miss. So if, if, if any of this sounds interesting, you pick the game up and you get to level 10. Congratulations. You can play ranked matches. There is a, you can put your preference from one to five of what you like to play. Oh, so you can say like, okay. I, I prefer this or this or this. And I realized like my number two was set at jungle and I was like, oh shit, that's why. Yeah. Uh, but hey man, I kind of get it now. So <laughs> I might just also hit random just to like get whatever, but uh, yeah, it's it's really well made, and I, I have some caveats being like you should get it because I, I think like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff going on like with Riot Games and not even weird, just like bad stuff with Riot Games, yeah, just bad. Yeah. <laughs> like just objectively bad. Uh -huh. Like, but the game itself is such a huge thing that like there there was great work done here, you know that I I think is uh, cool. To yeah. experience i totally agree and 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 i i think just to like loop back the, the thing that really strikes me about it and i think the reason why you can't import your characters in the pc version is like maybe this is just like the version of league of legends that people should play because i've seen some i've seen some stuff online where you know some of the reviews of this game from people who are like big pc league of legends fans are like you know, it's good, but it's not going to prepare you for PC. They're two completely different things. And I, I would very much push back against that because, like, I don't think that's the intention at all. I don't think the intention is, like, you get good at Wild Rift and then you go to PC. I think the intention is you just play Wild Rift all the time. Yeah, Like, right. I think I think that's really the end game for, for Riot here. They can exist alongside each other, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah. That, to me, feels like the thing. Um, and uh, I'm just very excited for uh, us to, I guess, like transition as a podcast uh, into one where you are, you know, like a an esports league wild rift player and i'm an esports <laughs> call of duty mobile player and that's all we talk about from week to week that uh, i mentioned the mirror verse earlier because that really would be like our weird doppelgangers yeah. you know that like there is that within us but we've chosen a different path <laughs> but cosmically it has i've to talked exist. about this a little bit uh, uh in the discord and i pro i promise you steven and, and dear listener this is not a humble brag I'm very good at Call of Duty Mobile in a way that I find very disturbing. Uh, and I'm like just flying through the ranked mode in Call of Duty Mobile. I'm like literally almost at the pro tier of Call of Duty Mobile already. And I've been playing for like two weeks. Very scary. I've got an MVP twice as Ash, which is also kind of disturbing for someone who got booted out of every Dota match before he could join it. You didn't know what you were missing. There's greatness within us, which is... <laughs> scary but yeah all, all bits aside it's it's really fun if you've been curious about the genre or if you're a, a long-time league fan i think there are you you may enjoy it regardless of your history with the series 
Totally. I think it's great. I think it's worth like checking out. I mean, there's really no really no reason not to. It's free. You know, like why not? Yeah. Let's go download it. It's free it. and there's like really no reason to spend money. Unless you're like, I yeah. need Steampunk. I need Big Hero 6 for Plunk <laughs> or whatever his name is. Yeah. For, I mean, for context, you're saying you're what? What level are you at this point? Oh, man. I don't know. It's scary. I'm level 12, I think, overall. Okay. Yeah. I'm level like eight, something somewhere in that vicinity. And I have like 15 characters already. Yeah. Which I have not paid a dollar. No, no. Uh, and even like I got the battle pass yesterday and that has not contributed to me getting any new characters. I just yeah. have like when I kill a dragon, it puts like a sign down. <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's what you get. So you plant a flag on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I might email Riot Games like, hey, what's up? Can I get my uh, $10 back, please? Keep the sign. Um, all right. Uh, that's all I got. Unless you want to say anything else. No, no, really. been playing us? Um, oh, uh, almost entirely Jinx. Oh, right. The Harley Quinn. Yeah, she's character. like pretty much yeah. just Harley Quinn with like a machine gun. Um, she's <laughs> she's a, a marksman class, which like I don't really know what that means, except that I should hang out in the duo lanes, what I'm told. Although everyone's know what like the whole idea in the tutorial is like they actually teach you what the lanes are by like making you play as Jinx. And they're like, yeah, go hang out in the duo lane with a support. But every once in a while I go into a match where there isn't a support and then there's nobody with me in the duo lane. and I just die That's over and over again. Too. Yeah. Uh, and I just... I don't know if that's on me or like what, I'm, what I can change or do differently. It's very confusing. And that's the, that's I think my biggest like caveat here is like I don't fully know how to play League of Legends still. I'm very much doing just what the tutorial told me and like having a pretty good time. But I yeah. don't feel like I have an understanding of like the game yet because um, I haven't really branched out of like the character that I'm playing as so far. And I think that's like going to be a big thing that I'm going to need to do. They all play like wildly differently. Even the characters the that are within the same class, they're like all so different. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a monster hunter situation where like way back in monster hunter three for the Wii U, I like put the time in to learn the different weapons. You know, I like tried them all out for like an hour or two each to figure out which one I actually liked. Like, is that what I have to do here? Cause I noticed that on all the characters you've unlocked, there's like a, like a little there's a practice, there's mode. like a practice yeah. button. Yeah. That you can like, press and then like try those characters out like do i literally need to do that with 63 different characters <laughs> to learn which ones i actually like and want to unlock and stuff like it seems like that might actually be the case i would say so what's cool is that when you go to ranked matches and they will draft you into you know mid lane or jungle or whatever mm. they also say here are the heroes that are good for this and they'll like list three heroes that you have yeah that's nice and when you start out you have five heroes that pretty much are every role so like uh big hero six iron giant is like obviously a tank yeah yeah there, there's like a mage there's a you know the whole thing garen garen yeah everyone's favorite uh but then uh, <laughs> i would say like it's probably better at least from my three days of playing league of legends wild rift <laughs> i would say that find the lane you like first and then maybe change around oh, the characters that's great um, that way you can have some kind of limitation because i think like i don't like jungle i think i've give it a mm. fair shake enough that if my best character at jungle like by far like i was good was the my dad's the king guy like i don't even want to bother like that's not <laughs> the path i want to walk yeah well i'm glad we didn't end the segment because i think that's a great piece of advice <laughs> but my dad the king that's what he said <laughs> come on i'm so bored my papa <laughs> for my papa the king no one knows my papa as good as i do <laughs> because he's my dad the king <laughs> it's a good day to be the king's son i'm not even a prince i'm just the king's son <laughs> i hide out in the jungle and i try to kill baron nasher but then the enemy team steals it from me my dad's the king 
All right, that actually is that, that there is a whole <laughs> aspect of League of Legends that like I'm glad I haven't run into yet where like I don't again this is me just like p- picking up context clues from like conversations out in the world and in like forums and on Twitter and shit but like I know there's a whole culture of like okay this character has to like get the enemy minions health down to this bit and then somebody else has to like get the last hit so they get the most experience and there's like a whole thing where like you, you shouldn't be like stealing people's minion kills or whatever and like none of that is in wild rift so far and i'm so glad about it because that yeah. that's like one of the big things i was like terrified of when i was going through the tutorial i was like all right where's gonna be the tutorial bit where somebody yells at me for like getting the last hit on a minion who killed my minion my dad's the king <laughs> i think it's jagrin the fourth is that his name hold on oh, i need great. to tell you to not play as him he's good but like uh. <laughs> he's only in the game because of nepotism jarvin the fourth yeah he has like kind of cool dragoon armor a big spear but he like he opens his mouth and you're just like immediately bored <laughs> he's like i don't really listen to music much and i don't have breakfast it's like what <laughs> jarvin jarvin the fourth from my dad who happens to be the king all right, let's take a break, and uh, <laughs> we'll come back and talk about more stuff. Now, that was a wild rift. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Whoops. Thanks for listening to our show. Weirdly, Apple just sent us an email that said stop <laughs> in Calibri font, which is kind of weird. Yeah, um, but that, you know. yeah, that was the big Apple podcast update. Tim Cook was just like, great news. We've updated the app, and also we've removed into the Aether. <laughs> I listened to it until, uh, was it the Jagrin the Fourth monologue? Yeah, and I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's uh, move on. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Steven, I wanted to very quickly mention a thing that happened uh, in our interim, in our break that we took. Okay. Nintendo had like an indie direct while we were gone, which like, I don't think we were planning on really talking about like in depth in depth. But there are a couple things that came out of it that are like kind of interesting and some of which I've been playing and just wanted to like touch on. Um, one thing that I, 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 I want to mention, uh, because I know you're a big fan and I also am uh, a fan, a normal sized fan, I would say, of it. Uh, AJ, our producer, our dear producer, also a big fan. Um, but they announced a sequel to Oxenfree. Oxenfree 2 is happening. Oh, yeah. Coming to Switch. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. You weren't a huge fan of their follow-up, right? The was it after party? Unfortunately, not. Yeah, yeah I uh, I was so excited for it because it like it has a great trailer and it has like all the things you would expect to be great from the people who made Oxenfree, like really lovely art. Yeah, really great music. It just I think. I won't go too into it because like it's a yeah, team I like. Yeah, we don't, we don't like. have to. I, I just remember that that was a game that existed. But I'm hopeful that uh, Oxenfree 2 will be like a return for them in some way. I yeah. mean, uh, After Party got like decent reviews and did well, so I might be an outlier. But I'm I'm hopeful that they'll turn it around. Yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited for Oxenfree 2. I mean, it was just cool to see it at all, I think. Yeah, um, totally. Some other cool stuff. They, they showed off that uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game by the yeah, Scott Pilgrim so uh, developers, which just like looks great. Just looks like an old arcade game happening again which is cool there's a new ali ali coming out which i'm a big fan of ali ali and the second one i play both those on vita both are on switch too right i just got them yeah yeah uh both on switch um really cheap too you can get it as like a package uh, which i did yeah i think it was like two dollars for both of them which was awesome but uh the, the two games i've been playing one of which i'm gonna kind of like fly by because i haven't like really I don't know, I've had kind of like a weird time with it, but one of them is called The Longing, which is this game about like a little guy. He's like a little guy that they just call like a shade. Um, he's a little guy who is told by like a big king in a cave that he's like, I'm going to go to sleep now. 
Wake me up in 400 days. See you later. Uh, and then you essentially have to wait 400 real days in real life <laughs> uh, to wake the king up. And you could just like explore this cave and do whatever you want um, in the interim. It's kind of like a point and click adventure kind of thing um, blended with an idle game in a way because like you're again waiting 400 days. I have been really, really like feeling my way around this game, like trying to get a good experience out of it. And I just like haven't yet. I, I, I'm having kind of a strange time because like I've read some reviews. because This game is over a year old at this point. Like it, it, ha- it came out over 400 days ago on, on PC. <laughs> the king is awake. Yeah. He's so out. for some people, they have finished the whole game. They've done the 400 days. They've done a whole playthrough. And there are apparently like multiple endings depending on the way you do things. And a lot of the reviews kind of touch on exactly what I thought the vibe was going to be, which is like you start off the game thinking that like it's dumb and you don't know why it exists uh, and you don't know like if it's like fun or interesting or good. Uh, and then by the end, you care a lot about this like little shade and you want to like make his life better and like uh, make sure that the 400 days goes by in like a way that is nice and calming and good. And like I can kind of already feel the beginnings of that in my playthrough, at least like I've started like uh, accumulating things for the shade to do. Like I got a whole bunch of books. They just like have a bunch because there are a bunch of books in the public domain. They just like have a bunch of books in the game. And you could just like sit your shade down with like a copy of Moby Dick and be like, all right, have at it. See you in a couple of days. <laughs> And come back and he'll be like, well, that was a great book. And then like you could get up and just like walk around the cave and like go find some stuff. There's like literally crafting that's happening via like walking around the cave and like picking up moss that grows over the course of like a week or two and being like, I'm going to turn this moss into a pillow that's going to make my like chair back in my little house nicer. Um, And like, that's the game. That's the video game. And it literally is just like at a certain point, 400 days will have gone by and you go wake up the king and the game is over. And there's some like secret stuff going on there. But my problem with it, I think, really stems from the fact that like I already kind of know what emotional involvement and I'm going to like have by the end of it. And like, I just don't know if I actually want to sign on for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like if Don Hertzfeld made Animal Crossing, that's like my. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's such a fucking good Wow. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it feels like. It's it's cool. I like don't get me wrong. I think it's really interesting. My big yeah. recommendation, if you're interested in it, like literally at all, is do not get it for the switch because it does not feel mm. very good on the switch with the controls that I've been using. Even with the touch control, because you can like use the touch screen. Um, it's like fine. I think just like make it a PC game, like just get it on yeah. Steam, get it on PC or Mac um, and play it there instead, because uh, like while it's like playable and serviceable on switch it seems built for pc in a way that like kind of hard to break the two apart it's kind of like what you and i were talking about with loop hero we're like yeah, would, I was just thinking would that, they ever yeah. be able to release loop hero on switch probably would it feel as good as on pc i don't think there's a way that that could happen yeah it's even the way it looks it looks like a 90s like dungeon crawler you know yeah. on pc i have a question about uh this game what was it called again the longing does time pass when you're not playing it or yes. do you have to like, okay, <laughs> that was like my bullying point of like, do I have to like in real time over time play it for 400 days of like minutes? Cause that would be a lot. Yeah. Even my, uh, save file in persona five Royal, which is like close, uh, would, <laughs> yeah. would not be 400 days. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I found that I just like had it open in another window, uh, while I was like working and I would just like, there's literally a button that you press it and it's just like walk somewhere random in the cave And he'll just like kind of hobble along over to somewhere and uh, then stop and be like, that was a nice walk. And then you just press it again and then he'll just like walk somewhere else. And you just do that over and over again. And eventually you just like explore a bunch of the cave by doing that. 
Um, you can also like save places in the cave in his memory. So every once in a while you could be like, all right, I want to go check this spot again because I know like some moss probably grew there or like there's a stalactite growing over here and like maybe that'll be useful eventually or things like that. There's actually a door that took like four hours to open at one point that I like. Oh, wow. That I was like, I'm not going to sit here for four hours. I'm going to go do other things. And then like <laughs> I, I, I saved that space in my head uh, and then like went back there later. So that's like kind of cool there's some cool stuff going on there but i I would say overall like i i like the tone of the game more than i like playing it like i like the idea of it more than more than the actual experience of it and i know like maybe by the end i'll have like more of an emotional attachment to the shade but like i'm not feeling it yet but it's also only been two weeks so who knows like maybe yeah a year later it's a bit of a big ask you know to like get because I, I feel like um, I agree. I mean, I haven't played it yet, so I can't really speak to this, but it does sound like they're doing like probably as best as they can with a concept that is probably more interesting in theory than an execution. Yeah. And and I think like yeah. a big takeaway for me, uh, having played this for a bit, is like I appreciate that it exists, you know? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Because there's like there's a real artistry here. There's You could tell there's like a lot of thought being put into like the concept of this and like there's a there's a huge awareness on the part of the creator in terms of what they're asking of the player to experience something like this and i feel like if you are the kind of person who like really puts the time in and goes through all 400 days like it's probably really great like i I imagine it is like rewarding in some capacity uh depending on what ending you get because like again there are multiple and i imagine some of them are not great um i like i imagine there's an ending (laughs) what's all this moss doing (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's an ending for like you start the game and then you don't pick it up for 400 days and then you just like go wake the king and then that's it like i'm sure that that's an ending and i'm sure it's very sad you know yeah but there are other ones where you can like make the shades life better. Like right now, I've been teaching him art. He's been drawing a lot, uh, which is nice. And he's he drew a picture of his friend who is a spider recently. And he hung it up that. above his chair uh, next to a, like a roaring fire. And it was very nice. It was a very nice experience. But, you know, is it a game that I'm like turning on every day? Like, no, I actually haven't even turned it on like over a week at this point. Um, I actually forgot that I had downloaded it until I just started this segment. So um, <laughs> oh, poor shade. Yeah. Because I've been playing another thing, uh, which we should probably get to. But anyway, The Longing is like a tentative recommendation. If it sounds interesting to you, like support an indie developer and play it and like have a good time. Yeah. I would just recommend getting it on PC. From what I've seen, I love the artwork, like the design of the place and everything is really nice. Yeah. yeah. Really gorgeous game. Yeah. I like it. Just maybe not on Switch. Oh, also want to mention just from that direct, uh, because I mentioned a couple weeks ago, there is no game. Wrong Dimension uh, is out on Switch now. Maybe another game that like would probably be better on mobile than or on uh, mobile or PC than on Switch. But if you can play it on Switch with touch controls, I'm not really sure that would be a good way to play. It. I picked it up on Switch. I haven't played it yet, but I'll let you know if that's a thing. Oh, hell yeah. Not. Yeah. OK, yeah. yeah, definitely like loop back on that because it is a really good video game. I'm excited. I I, I have in the week since I got into Wild Rift, I've also <laughs> picked up like eight games that are all like as weird and interesting as there is no game yeah which i'm very excited about so uh expect some of that soon cool yeah the the other big game or at least the one for me that i was like most excited about and the one that i've actually been playing like a a lot a lot of is fez um fez finally got released on the switch which is a game that like i dearly 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 love and uh have wanted on switch like since the switch existed because like my view of the switch has always been like okay it's just the vita but bigger it's like just gonna become like everything yeah like for real it's just gonna be like 
a place for like cool RPGs and indie games. And like, that's fine by me because like coming from the Wii U, at least, you know, I was like, Nintendo is going to have one game a year and that's fine. But like the rest of it is just going to be indies on this like cool device. And uh, I'm glad that Nintendo has had more support and there's been a lot more third party support. Like it kind of is the best of all worlds in a way. But the one like missing link for me has always been Fez, weirdly. It's like the one game I just like really dearly wanted to replay and uh it came out on switch the day that they had that direct uh, and i've been playing it a lot since um i to talk about fez is a lot for me uh fez is a very this is one of your bolded games and games of the decade right one of your five yeah it's it's just yeah. like an extremely important game like in my life uh and in general i i think it's i think it's a masterpiece personally um i know a lot of people like wouldn't feel that way and if you went and played it like maybe you'll have kind of like a middling experience and i kind of almost get that like i almost get why it wouldn't be remarkable to a lot of people but for me like at the time that i played it in my life where like i had dropped out of college to join a band the band like almost got signed by a major and then imploded and then I had to like move back home with my parents and like clean bathrooms at a movie theater like this game came out like on PC around then uh, and and I had like just a really kind of like emotionally wrought experience just like poking at every corner of this game that existed and like finding every secret and like taking handwritten notes for the first time ever in a video game um, and just like learning everything there possibly was to learn I just think it's like gorgeous on like every avenue possible oh, right yeah, like visually totally. it's stunning Phil Fish who like I'm not gonna get into Phil Fish I'm not gonna like relitigate the whole Phil Fish thing on this fucking podcast but like Phil Fish is you know a great game designer and I think the thing that a lot of people don't give him as much credit for but like probably should is that he's also just like a good visual designer he has like a lot of like graphic design work out there that's like really spectacular and a lot of his design i just find like really inspiring and he noted at one point it might have been an indie game movie or something but like he noted that for fez he like redid the pixel art for the game like all of it like four or five times because like he did it once and then was like by the time i finished doing all the art for the game i realized that i had gotten better at making pixel art so then i just started again and then it happened again and again and again and every time (laughs) he finished making all of the art for the game he was like wow i've learned more stuff about how to make pixel art and just like got better and where it landed is just like stunning i mean it's just like it's an really unbelievably yeah. pretty game and that paired with the soundtrack from disaster piece is like feels to me like like high art like it really is just like an incredible work and i i think it's really wonderful that you and i are recording like a double today like we're recording this episode and then we're talking about Ico and Shadow the Colossus after because like Phil Fish has like gone on record as saying that Ico was like specifically a really important game for the design of Fez you can feel that and like I'm not going to talk about it a lot during that episode because like it's such like a well-trodden path to talk about eco and and design by subtraction and like that whole idea of like the more you can remove from a game to like get to its basis elements like the better that game will be but like that really made fez what fez is and and playing this game alongside eco has been like literally a religious experience for me as like a person who creates things as like an artist oh yeah playing these two games side by side has been like so eye-opening it's really, it's really remarkable. Sorry, what were you about to say? No, I was going to say, uh, not not to subtract away from that, because I totally agree. I, I also picked up Fez, and still very early on, I, I've spent most time this week playing Wild Rift and also preparing for the bonus. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really have loved what I've played so far. Um, but I was going to say that, like, playing 
like weirdly every game other than wild rift that i'm playing this week <laughs> alongside eco has been like oh my god like you can see just real quick on that we'll talk more about that later today and in the bonus coming out this month but like you can see what an impact that game has had on so many games in so many different ways i totally. think fez very much in the design element of just like you know here are your tools, here's what you can do, and the rest is up to your own perception. Yeah. Right. Literally, by yeah. rotating the canvas. And that's that's kind of the thing, and, and again, I don't want to talk too much about it, because we're going to like really go in on it in the in the eco episode, but um, the thing that I think these two games share that's really wonderful, besides just being so streamlined to the point of like almost having like no button prompts, you don't really need them as much, the thing that eco and Fez share is this like immediate visual understanding of the world you're in there's this like kind of inherent like almost like human understanding of what you're looking at like when you go and you see like a bomb on the ground in fez like you don't need to be told what it does you just like pick it up and you put it somewhere and like it does something exactly what you would expect you know like there there doesn't you don't need any kind of tutorialization for like how to do most of the things in fez just like how an eco and again we'll talk about it later just like everything that you see on the screen is usable in the way that it would be in the real world. And like, that's impressive in eco in the time that that game came out. I almost think that's more impressive in some instances in Fez where like the design is so abstracted and it's like so filtered through this like visual identity that it comes out the other end and still feels human and like understandable in like such like a basic way is so cool to me. Um, I, I just find this game like really stunning. I, I think one, one of the things that uh, Phil Fish talks about with with regards to eco and design by subtraction is like this game used to have like a health bar in it. It used to have like the Zelda like hearts and you would like go find pieces of heart and stuff and like upgrade your health. And at a certain point, he was like, when you jump off of like a high ledge and you like take some fall damage and you don't die, like that's not making the game better that I'm just doing that because I like Zelda and then eventually like remove, <laughs> remove that. And like the game is better if you jump from a high ledge and then you immediately die and respawn where you jumped off. Like that makes the game flow in a way that makes more sense. I could talk for eons about Fez and I'm not going to, I think until I get further until you get further. I yeah. will say this just like as a, as a basic pitch for people who maybe haven't played it or like don't really know what the big deal is. You're a little guy. Your name is Gomez. You got a Fez on your head. The Fez allows you to take this 2D world. And when you press the triggers um, uh, on your controller, it it rotates the entire world in like a 3D way. So there's four sides to every uh, world that you're exploring. Um, and you go around, and you find little like yellow cubes that add up to like a big cube. Um, and you just want to collect as many of those as possible. On the other side of that, and I, I this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I do want to mention it because like this might be the thing that gets some people into it. At least this was the thing that hooked me when I played it the first time. For every cube that exists, for every like exploration cube, as I call them, like you could just run around the world and collect all these yellow cubes and like pretty much beat the game. But for every cube that exists, there's also a purple anti-cube that exists that's like you solve a like an environmental puzzle. Like there's a puzzle that you don't even know exists in a mm. place. But by solving it, you'll get an anti-cube. And uh, those in particular are like where the meat of the game is for me. Like as much as I love just like being in the world and running around and like exploring and picking up like the regular exploration cubes. It's the anti-cubes that are like the thing that will make you like stay up at night, like scribbling in a notebook, like trying to solve some stuff. And that that to me is like where a lot of the brilliance of this game lies is like allowing those to exist in a way that like some people might miss entirely. That's yeah fucking cool it's such a cool game man fez is great i was like 
dear listener, just for your awareness, like this call, the Skype call that Stephen and I am on right now, like that that we're recording with, like it started with me like literally weeping. Like like Stephen called me and I was like literally in the middle of like weeping because I was playing Fizz and listening to an album I really liked. I, this game just means a lot to me and I, I, I want to talk about it more later eventually. I can really, I mean, not only from your beautiful words, but I can really feel that even just playing. Like I think I texted you like, I'm like, I feel like I'm looking at your soul when I play this game. <laughs> yeah. There, there's just so much in here that is influenced both like in a good way, like not just like, oh, like this is derivative, but like I can see the impact like the design and the music have had on your own artistic expression and also like your genuine curiosity as a person, I think lends itself to like enjoying a puzzle game like this. And uh, there's also something happening again. I'm, I'm just in the tutorials. It's not spoilers, but like there's something happening with the story for me that is very interesting. We're like, mm. at least in the very beginning, I don't know if they'll ever revisit this but you're working your way up in a 2d plane in this little village and everyone's like i love squares like it is yeah. even a classroom where they're like they call the idea of a cube like the devil's square they're like you know mm-hmm. it's a very like uh what is it uh plato's allegory of the cave where yes. it's like the idea of that allegory is that people who live in this cave only see their shadow and to them that is reality and when they're shown like the outside world they actually reject it because it's like this has been their reality for so long why would they suddenly believe in like a new thing right and that's kind of what's happening with the cube being introduced and it's like really miraculous even to experience as a someone in the third dimension to play this <laughs> game and then like see this like almost kind of monolith-esque cube like shatter the reality of these people in a way that's like really provocative and it immediately makes the game like exponentially more interesting i i really like games that will do like one mechanic that changes everything you know like i yeah. think in uh in celeste it's just dashing but there's so much you can do with the dash and all that and this just i mean rotating perspective sounds simple but the thing about like okay if i'm looking at this level and there's a platform over here when i'm looking at it this way but then i change the perspective because of the perspective change it looks closer even though it isn't but in the game it is closer now so like it's playing with that in a way that is really fascinating and i imagine it's like so hard to think about and plan when making this game (laughs) like thinking about how things will be you know, and how the function and and seeing like the inside of buildings, it's really, really well done. Even just, you know, an hour or so into it. Yeah, I can't even imagine really what the what the actual like logic behind developing this game must have been like. I mean, I, I, I imagine it must have been like put a platform in the world and then like literally like go in and play that world and like need to play test it like for hours so you can make sure that it's in exactly the right spot, you know? So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I it, it must have been like a massive undertaking. I mean, this game like legendarily took like forever to come out between announcement and release like it won like the um oh man i forget what it is uh idaf or something like that it, i don't know it, it won like an indie game design award um at, at some point like when it was announced and then didn't come out for like six years after that you know but uh yeah that was really we've mentioned this before especially in games of the decade but like 2010 to 2013 was i think like really the like kind of dawn of indie games in a lot of ways yeah and that xbox live arcade was like weirdly like a great place for that between like bastion and uh fez yeah bastion fez spelunky super meat boy braid like all those things came out around the same time um yeah limbo as well limbo yeah yeah that was a good era it was an interesting era for indie games but yeah anyway fez is out on the switch you can go play it i think it's like 10 to 15 bucks something like that 
I think it's a pretty easy sell too. I, I always try to think about like, okay, who would I recommend this to? And I think like most people will at least enjoy it on a surface level for just like being as pretty as it is and being a fun platformer. That's you know? the thing. And, and, like, and that's, that's yeah. why I don't, I don't feel weird about recommending it to like pretty much anyone is like, you could just run around and get all the exploration cubes and like finish the game and like have had a good time. Um, but for those of you who like me just like need more or like kind of like have a no stone left unturned mindset about certain things, um, you will like bust out a notebook and find the anti cubes and like learn right. way more about the game than you ever thought you were going to. Or uh, I guess the another comparison would be Celeste with like the B and C sides. Totally. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, even just beating that game is, is difficult because it's a tough game. I mean, yeah. there is that option where you can just sort of have like infinite dashes and stuff which like is great but yeah like you can just beat that game be happy or you can be like let me get the secret seasides of every <laughs> level yeah uh, i'm still i'm still working my way through it because i want to get to that final chapter but anyway yeah fez it's good actually speaking of indie games that mean a lot to us that make us cry uh there is another big indie announcement where uh there's a new game that had a vibe trailer uh that's being made by extremely okay games who made celeste Oh, yeah. All we basically know is that they're making a new game and it's sort of like a fantasy, like side scroller, I think. Uh, we know like almost nothing. And I think that's probably for the better because it's like, okay, we know there's a game being developed and like that's all I need to know from that team. Like it could literally be anything. And like I just trust the talent that is there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's exciting. Uh, so hopefully that will happen one day soon. Ah. Uh. <laughs> it was such a good, it was such a good little trailer. Oh, I loved it so much. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. It's gonna between that and Silk Song kind of looming in the distance, <laughs> like we're doomed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, Fez, you want to uh, leave what has now become a whole segment, not just a break, and then talk about another video game? I thought this was a segment. I've kind of given up the idea of breaks because we just we're just trying to, <laughs> you know, it's limiting ourselves. Unless we like really are like, I don't know, I just want to talk about bubble gum today or something. Like, we should, <laughs> Just assume it's going to be a segment. Dude, remember um, Bubble Jug? <laughs> no. You don't remember Bubble Jug? It was like literally like a little plastic jug that was filled with like a powder. And you were supposed to dump the powder in your mouth and then start chewing on it. And it would turn into gum. It ah, yeah, it was horrifying. I liked uh, Bubble Tape. It was like a yeah. tape roller. Of I had... In like when I was in elementary school, I would go to summer camp with like cargo shorts full of like bubble tape and like every Game Boy game shoved me into a locker. They had like a sour <laughs> green apple one that I really liked. I remember. Yeah, man. I just I remember the ads were like they kind of anthropomorphized the bubble tape to have like eyes, ah. and the tape was like his tongue, and he had he had like big like Sonic the Hedgehog shoes, <laughs> and like googly eyes. <laughs> Can you imagine the board of like toy executives? Like, I don't have, a, I have an idea. Bubble tape. Make him alive. Make him alive. Make him alive. <laughs> Give him life. Yeah. Just like Don Draper in a boardroom. Just like, what if? <laughs> I can't believe he likes bubble tape more than my idea. Sorry. It's American Psycho. Hey. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. Goodbye. Bye. Steven. Hey. There's a big release this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was. Uh, interesting that we're talking about. Um, <laughs> whoa, wait a second. <laughs> Hang What's on. Up? We are OK. This episode, now that I'm thinking about it, is a uh-huh. port of a game from over a decade ago to mobile, a port of a game from about a decade ago to switch, and now a remake of a game from about a decade ago to 
the next generation. Yeah, this is a very 2009 to 2011 episode. Really weird. Weirdly. Really yeah, weird. Scary. I didn't even realize that that was happening until right now. But anyway, we're talking about Near Replicant. Or as yeah. I do want to mention, uh, over on Waypoint Radio, they've been calling it Near Numbers. And I love that <laughs> as a shorthand for this. Near Numbers is a great way to refer to this game. But um, uh, do you know more about like the history of like this game and, and where it came from and why it exists yeah. and stuff? Because I would like I lo- to hear more about it from your perspective. I think. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's near replicant version 1.22474487139 ellipsis. There's which, a world in which like there's a bit on our podcast where we say the whole thing every time, kind of like a Dragon Quest scenario. And I don't think we should do that. <laughs> my, I don't think so either. My headcanon is that Yokotaro listens to our show and wanted to one up Dragon Quest XI's <laughs> title. <laughs> Those who listen to the show know that Nier Automata means a lot to both of us. It is easily one of my favorite games of all time. We talked about it like a lot uh, in the first season or two. <laughs> yeah. It came up a lot like while I was playing it. I played it like a little bit after it had come out. And then we did a whole segment about it on Games of the Decade. It was one of my five bolded games. And then we did a whole bonus about it with Chris Plant uh, last summer, which is probably like if you're going to listen to one near episode, it's probably that one because we go through like yeah. our all of our experience of the game. And, and Chris is a really personal attachment to that game as well. It's the kind of game that I think like, I mean, it was it was a hit. And actually, why don't we get into the whole history of this before I talk about the success of Automata? So it all began with Drakengard. <laughs> there are three Drakengard games. I believe the first two were on PS2 and then the third one was on PS3. Though the second Drakengard game was not, uh, Yokotaro was not involved. Oh. So it's kind of not really in the timeline. I've never played the Drakengard games. Based on what I've seen, I don't really want to. <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of like wild things happening in those games. It's like the, the people who picked those up who just thought it was going to be like a fantasy RPG were like shocked at what they saw. <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe horrified, maybe intrigued, maybe all three. But Yokotaro kind of quickly made a name for himself with that series. And it does have a following. So I don't want to dismiss it entirely, but I think I will probably skip it. I, I have seen bits and pieces from just like a Yokotaroverse YouTube video. So I kind of right, know right, what right, happens. Right, right. Anyway, uh, one of the endings of Drakengard 1 for the, for the PS2, uh, or maybe even PS1, but one of the endings for Drakengard 1 is like a joke ending where the hero and the dragon end up in modern day Tokyo with the villain and get shot down by like a Japanese uh, airplane. Yeah. And they're like target neutralized. And it just is like the end. And it's like kind of a joke ending. That is what leads to the world of near. So like, uh, it, it, it's really loose. Like you truly don't have to know any of this. And I feel like Yokotaro's biggest prank is like pretending they're all connected somehow there are definitely thematic connections which we'll get to later throughout all his games and there are things that pop up like he loves multiple endings he loves like the corruption of people like everyone always sort of gets overtaken by like grief or some like extreme emotion yeah so there are ideas he's playing around with and, and there are some interesting things happening in Drakengard. but i think it seems like near was the first game where they kind of crystallized at least narratively so there are two versions of near there's near gestalt which is what the u.s got 
where Nier is a uh, older man who is the father to Yona, right? The little yeah. girl. Nier is the name of the main character. It's worth mentioning. Nier is the main. Uh, you do name them and they'll be named whatever you name them. But if you don't, it's Nier. Canonically, it's Nier, I guess. So in the West, we got dad Nier. And in Japan, uh, they got a young man who's Nier and he's the brother of Yona. Right. And that, Otherwise, game, that game was called Nier Replicant. Right. So basically that game came out and like kind of got mixed reviews. Um, the gameplay was sort of criticized for being... Being like not great but there were a lot of really cool things happening with the story and the characters specifically that like people really latched on to yeah and cult classic like very cult much classic yeah yes absolutely then fast forward seven years to automata and that is like an objective hit so i think like basically in short yoko taro has always had these like really cool ideas but the games never really matched the like uh concept i feel like there and and there are a lot of people that think that that's like almost the point <laughs> like there are people that would argue like playing near in like the busted ass ps3 way is like the true experience which that gets to conversations about game preservation i think like i would love a world where you can just get any of these games and play them as they were and also get to play the remake you yeah. know i don't want anything to be replaced but i do think that um automata while being a commercial su- success was also like the hit for a reason and i think because we use the term like auteur a lot with yoko taro and i think he deserves that label but video games are such a collaborative effort that like you can't really say auteur and and have it mean anything yeah because- we talked about this a little bit in the episode with chris like our, our bonus episode about automata specifically but like a lot of the good work or at least a lot of the like um acclaim that that game had was a blending of yoko Taro's ideas with platinum's gameplay like platinum made right. like a great fighting game essentially yeah uh, like a fighting rpg and kind of mash that up with yoko Taro's concepts um and that's that's what makes automata like the success that it is, I think. Right. It, it's because of the collaboration. And and I think what's great, too, I watched a video, of like a series of interviews with both Platinum and Yoko Taro when they were working on the game. And a lot of the developers on that team were big fans of the first Nier. And oh, they were cool. like, we like know how to make this work, essentially. Like, we have seen what you were trying to do here, and we're going to make it, you know, better. And it really worked. I mean, I know, you know, that Nier Automata is not a game for everyone. But if you like it, you will probably love it. Like, yes. it's one of those things where, like, if it doesn't click with you, that's fine. But if you do enjoy it, it's probably going to like fuck your whole life up in right. a good way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- that game took me twice. It took me two attempts to like actually play yeah. and then enjoy eventually. My first time was like, eh, I don't know if I'm really feeling it. I got through the first ending, started doing the second playthrough. I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I'm going to dip out at this point. And then uh, because of your love for it, I was like, I should really like give this like the fairest shake possible and like just go through it anyway. Uh, and so glad I did. So glad I I'm did. I'm glad too. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like you really do need to finish it. We talk a lot about how there are some games where like you don't need to beat it, you know, or, you know, you can just bounce whenever you can. I mean, a lot of games ask a lot of time, but Automata, like you really have to see the whole thing to have fully experienced it. Yeah, which is a bummer. I mean, it's it sucks to be like, hey, I want to recommend this game to you, but you really need to know what you're signing up for, you know? Yeah, but it's not even that. It's like shorter than most RPGs. Like it's not like a persona. Yeah, it thing, is only like you know? what, 20 to 30 hours somewhere in that vicinity. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not that bad. The only kind of hard part, which we mentioned in the episode, is that uh, it has multiple endings, but not in the sense that you have to like replay the whole game. But you kind of do in the second route where you're uh, without spoiling too much. The second time you play the game, you're playing as a different character and it's pretty much the same game. There are some like really incredible, unique moments that happen. 
But like that's the only part that feels like okay, I gotta like repeat a little bit. Yeah. But then it like like a rocket ship just takes off after that, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. You don't see the opening credits until after that. <laughs> that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. You know, th- there's a moment where like, oh my God, this is the beginning. It's kind of like, I haven't seen the movie, but I know the movie uh, Mandy with Nick Cage does that too. We're like an hour and a half in the credits actually start. Oh my God. And then the movie like gets wild. <laughs> so I, that's a very creative decision that I, I think could pay off if it's like done well. But yeah. anyway. So Near Replicant. Near Replicant is... In Yoko Taro's words, not quite a remaster or a remake, but it's essentially it's essentially a remake in the sense of Tony Hawk One Plus Two, where they are taking like all the same stuff that was in Near Replicant, like scenes and and fights and all that, but just making it look nicer and play better. Mm-hmm. There are some new additions. I actually went back and I watched the opening scene of Near Gestalt, which is the U.S. version. Oh wow. And they're pretty much exactly the same. Like the scenes play out like word for word the same other than, you know, being the older father. Yeah. The only thing that's like majorly different is it seems like they have kind of re-recorded the soundtrack to be a little bit like there's more choir in the new soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. But the old soundtrack, it's still, I, I believe it's uh, Kaichi Okabe's work there as well. And like they're an incredible composer. Like if you, even if you hate, near and you hate everything your has ever done the music is like objectively great yeah. and does so much to like really communicate what the mood of those games are so near replicant numbers as waypoint would say is just the game but like let's give this a fair shake so that more people could experience the story which i think is a great move honestly it's not uh, Yokotaro has also communicated that he was nervous that like this is going to be compared to FF7 remake and I understand why because that is a game that is basically an entirely new game you know it, it is in many ways bringing new life to an older game that like you know is a little bit dated by this point but I think you play remake and the game exists alongside the original in a way that I'm not sure this one will like I think this is just sort of like you might as well just play replicant numbers instead of the first one yeah. which I know there might be, and I don't know if that's true or not yet, because I haven't gotten very far. Yeah, in our sort conversations of off the show about this game, like that's kind of one of our our big like um or like fog of war situations is like there could be a point like three quarters of the way through this game where it takes a left turn so severely different from both Gestalt and the original Replicant that like it goes into like Final Fantasy VII remake territory, which like I'm fully willing to go down that rabbit hole. I'm very excited about that being a possibility. It might not happen at all. And that's also fine. But like, I I think you and I both don't know for sure which way this is going to go yet. uh, Because, you know, Yokotaro is who he is. (laughs) Essentially. So the way the, the the opening of the game, I, this will be a spoiler free segment. So we're just going to talk about like the opening hours and the premise and what we think of it so far. Again, you don't need to know this. Like you really, really don't need to know this. But the joke ending of Drakengard 1 <laughs> uh, and Drakengard 3 is a prequel to 1. So that doesn't even equate. There's this symbolism with flowers that keeps popping up, but that's about it. Uh, <laughs> Drakengard 1 has the joke ending and killing the dragon and and the other kind of uh evil being the dragon was good but the evil being that shows up um killing those things in that 
world led to a plague called white chlorination chlorination syndrome right essentially i just to be clear what happens is that this dragon goes through like a portal ends up in modern day tokyo gets shot down by a plane and like disintegrates in the air that that just drops all these like spores across the planet that like creates this virus which basically in the lore of the world when you get the virus you're asked if you want to either be like a minion of like an evil demon or turn into salt as chris plant said so (laughs) (laughs) so it's a bad virus but again you don't need to know that and and i think the opening of near takes place in what looks like kind of a modern day city uh in sort of like almost a last of us kind of post-apocalypse i found it really effective so like even just the opening shot with the music there's like snow falling heavily on this abandoned city and it says i think some year like 2049 or whatever it's then it says summer right after that and it's such a gut punch yeah because it's like so visibly like winter uh, you know <laughs> apocalyptic winter and it says summer yeah um and then it cuts to near and his sister who are in this like abandoned blockbuster like trying to survive and they're constantly being it's not a blockbuster but it looks like it kind of it's just this abandoned store of some kind mm-hmm. anyway they're in this abandoned store and uh near is fighting off these like demons they call shades with an iron pipe and Yona is uh, kind of coughing. She's sick. And there's a book there. And and Nier tells Yona, like, whatever you do, don't touch that book. It's like this kind of cursed black book in the in the room. You're fighting shades with an iron pipe, and that's all you can really do. You don't have any other abilities. And eventually Nier is like, oh, I need more power. I have to protect my sister. And touches the book and suddenly is able to summon these, like, demonic fists and really the book controls exactly like the pods in automata where you have like this kind of floating pod with you now you have a floating book that shoots like kind of in a bullet hell fashion it shoots like orbs of red and has special moves and one thing that has been tweaked a little bit as far as i can tell based on what i watched of the original near is a lot of the attacks look just like near automata where like you can summon a row of spears that are all kind of like red and and magical looking and it's like just exactly what 2b could do with like her pod which is really kind of unsettling but also very fascinating yeah it is definitely worth noting that like platinum did not work on this game um, they didn't which is interesting because it definitely feels like it's taking a lot of cues from the success of the combat system in automata even though it's like pretty close to what the original was all about it's still feels very much like uh they they tweaked it a little bit to kind of bring it more in line with automata's combat system yeah and i think it plays well i mean even automata i didn't really ever play for the combat you know like it it was functional at the very least yeah i mean there's a contingency of people myself included at a certain point during uh automata who i just like had it on like auto everything mode for the most part like the the pods i had going completely like automated just like doing whatever they wanted um the only thing i was really doing was like hitting the attack button everything else was automatic and you can do the same thing in replicant which i haven't turned on yet i'm kind of curious to try it but we'll talk about that later uh because i uh, the combat's pretty good yeah but anyway so this opening sequence i'll i'll talk through but um basically you know near touches the book you fight off a horde of demons and then you go to check on your sister um she found a cookie that she wants to split with you and basically it's just a very sad conversation yeah and near then yells to the sky like somebody help us and then it just says like a thousand plus years in the future and it's now near and his sister like in a fantasy rpg village and it's so fucking weird but so effective like i, I thought that yeah. was like such a cool way to open the game and it's the same as the original which i imagine like picking this game up in 2000 eight or whenever it came out on the ps3 (laughs) 
and it's, and the cover looks like you're going to just play like another square RPG. You know, it's like near like flexing and yeah. it says near in big words. And to have like the opening of The Last of Us followed by like the opening of Zelda. And the music is so kind of eerie that like I constantly am getting the feeling that this is all a facade. Not that like this is all a dream, but this is like a constructed reality. Yeah. Because what's really effective is that when you're outside of the town and you like go into the ruins and all that, you're fighting all these shades. But like all the ruins are like, you know, modern day like offices and stuff like it, it looks if you took out the the magical book and the characters like you would think you're playing near automata again totally it's, it's the same world you know it's the same kind of ruined earth i am really loving it so far i mean this is sort of i think i'm in the perfect target audience for this game because i'm someone who got onboarded to the Taroverse via automata and this is like if you were curious about near but didn't want to buy a ps3 and then shuffle down to the retro store and ask for near and have the cashier go why you can just play this one <laughs> right um which again I, I understand that a lot of people who have been fans for a long time I and mean, we talked about this off the show it's kind of like following a band and suddenly they have the hit and you're like ah oh. it, it, it's not like you're mad that they sold out or anything but you're like i knew them when they were recording in like a back alley with like cassettes and now mm-hmm. now float on comes out and everyone thinks they're great <laughs> and it's like weirdly what happened with yokotaro with with automata yeah but i think um i think that there are two things it's like i think the bigger issue is the lack of game preservation because i think it'd be cool to be able to check out both right easily and i don't think i i want to replace anything but i am very glad as someone who has really been curious about near because unlike dragon guard which is you know you could play both near games and never even know dragon guard was a series yeah near replicant and gestalt and near automata are linked in a lot of ways that i think if you play one you'll have a lot of like gasping moments in the other yeah um, there are characters who are in replicant that are big in automata that like yes now that i know that like my like heart shivers it's it's just really effective yeah i that that like sinking feeling that you get in your chest when you see someone in public that you like didn't want to ever see again you know like you run into someone from <laughs> high school and you know there's like a stop and chat incoming like i've had that feeling like four or five times already in my time with yeah. with replicant in a good way that's a good thing just to be clear in the video game it's a good thing in real life i don't want to have a stop and chat <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm really i'm really into <laughs> what's going on here i think that like again i i'm someone who loved automata and i'm going into this like really excited to check out this game and, and these characters i would say in terms of openings that like a lot of people have said that this game kind of starts slow and that the first like 10 hours are very kind of generic fetch quest rpg stuff i can definitely see that but i do think just with that opening the game reveals its hand a little bit sooner than automata does i so agree I think with you yeah you can play automata and like as much as i love that game's intro you don't really know what that like why people love that game until you're like halfway done with the second repeated playthrough <laughs> whereas here it's like very quickly revealed like this game's gonna get weird we got we got weird right away with the time jump into a medieval fantasy and i just know that like more is lingering yeah and and again like the soundtrack is like jaw-droppingly good like even when i'm doing stuff that's like 
go bring mutton back to the village. It feels satirical. It definitely is. But you're still doing it, which is kind of frustrating. But I don't really mind just because I like I like the game and I like the music and the ambiance. So it doesn't really bother me. That's kind of the weird experience yeah. I've been having with it. Because I'm further than you. I'm like on the precipice of that point that everybody talks about where it's like once you get past like this bit, then like that's when your replicant really begins. But I've been really enjoying this moment that I'm in this moment in time before I hit whatever that thing is. And I, I don't know if that's like a big event or if it's like a big like shift in, in narrative or tone or whatever, but like there's something coming, but right now I'm really enjoying this like strange kind of just like fetch quest fantasy RPG that I'm playing for exactly the same reasons you were just describing. I mean, I, I, I like the characters that I've met so far are already enough. Um, I mean, there's like the floating book is like so fucking funny. He's incredible. I, my favorite thing is like when you meet him, no one ever bothered like no one has ever said oh my god a talking book it just like immediately accepted like yeah you know there's a moment where you're you know there's a very urgent scene happening and near like really wants to jump in and, and and save someone very important to him and the book is like behold i am grim Wallface. And he's like get the fuck out of the way like, he doesn't even yeah. stop to say like <laughs> he's like nobody has ever said anything like that to me grim yeah, like, don't talk to yeah. me like a common paperback yeah. uh, it's he's just gold every time like it really is like you have hubert from fire emblem as a book following you around <laughs> yeah he's really he's really good I'm, I'm loving the characters i met so far i'm loving all the locations i've found i'm like i've seen a bunch of the towns um in this area so yeah. far um and all of them have like very distinct vibes and really cool ways um there, there's a desert town that i don't really want to tell you a whole lot about because i'm very interested in what your take is going to be but i think next episode if you've played up until that point we should loop back and talk about it because it's yeah. a very interesting it feels very ps3 in a way i think a lot of people will hate but i really loved and i think that's kind of where my like confusion about my own like take on this game lies is that i'm really liking a lot of the stuff that does feel like it's a holdover from like ps3 era game design like a lot of the things that people would consider to be like mistakes or things that could be like trimmed down i mean the exact opposite of fez and and uh eco as, as we're talking about here like this is like designed by addition in a lot of instances and honestly it's really working for me i'm finding this game to be an extremely like zen experience for the most part because i'm just going and doing like all the side quests i I don't feel like i'm withholding the story for myself by doing these side quests like i'm kind of like balancing them out in a way that still feels like natural and fun and good i guess i'm just like surprised at how much i'm enjoying it at this point uh because it took me much longer to like automata um and i like you am coming at this from the point of view of like I've never played Replicant. Uh, Automata was my first near game. It was my first Yogotaro game. Um, and I, I think you and I kind of have this like same lingering question, which is like, is this version of Replicant made for longtime fans of Nier who like played Replicant on the PS3 and like want to experience it again? Or is this a game that exists like more specifically for the fans of Automata to like bring them on board with like the entirety of the lore that's being set out here specifically to take, you know, some of that lore from Replicant and like kind of tweak it in a way that ties more into Automata. Because like, as you said, a lot of those characters are there and they were there in the original release and like they're just here again. And that's because it's a remake and that in those instances. But I'm wondering if there are going to be a couple story tweaks here and there that like really, really tie the two together. Um, So like, who is this game for is kind of an open question. And my answer, the more I play is like, I kind of don't even care because I just am liking it. (laughs) Like, that's kind of where I land on is like at a certain 
point, like, I don't need to know who the target audience is. I don't need to know where this game came from or why. All I need to know is, like, is it fun and am I enjoying it? And the answer to that is yes. So I'm going to keep playing it. It's a game that I have almost like Fire Emblem Three Houses sunk, like, way more time into than I really <laughs> thought possible. Because, like, even on Friday, you and I talked about this game coming out and we were like, ah, I don't know if we're going to be able to play enough of it for the episode. I put, like, I think 10 to 11 hours into this oh, game wow. already. Wild. Than me. I didn't yeah. even know. I, I don't I don't know how I did that. I don't know where I found <laughs> the time to do that. Honestly, I've been very busy the past couple of days. I mean, it, so we record on Sundays. This game came out two days ago. How did I put 11 hours in? <laughs> I was busy all day yesterday. I don't know. Um, really confusing, but I'm liking it a lot, a lot. I have my, I have my gripes. I want to, I want to like be very clear. I have like my gripes with it. I think like the character design for Kaine is like embarrassing, man. It's, right, it's like, yeah. it's such a bummer. My partner walked into the room while I was playing it and, and was like, this is like one of the most alienating things I've ever seen in a video game, which like, yeah. I agree with, you know, right. out of context, it's bad in context, like the context that like from Yoko Taro's standpoint, like when asked why he designs characters this way is just like, I like pretty girls. It's like, that's not a, re- yeah. you, could, you could put like an in-universe reason for it, but you're just excusing your own like weird shit. At least in Automata, there was like a somewhat of a thematic thing with like the maiden butler stuff. That's you know? the thing is like yeah. specifically in that game, like the in-universe reasoning worked so well that like, I was like, you know what, maybe that's fine. Um, yeah. From what I've heard, I don't know the actual like in canon reason for the way Kaine is designed yet. But from what I've heard without spoiling, like people say that like it's not really fulfilling. Um, so yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I know it's like a very touchy subject, uh, so I don't want to like really dive into it until I know more. It is worth pointing out, though, because like that is going to be like that. It's a, it's a distracting enough thing that like it may be the reason you don't get this game. And that's completely justified. You yeah. know, it'll be like yeah. the th- it'll be like a game you don't want to play. Like if you're like a teenager and your parents walk into the room and you're playing this game and you they're your parents are gonna be like what the fuck is this or you like know? uh like the the nurse in 13 sentinels where it's like come on guys let's chill you yeah know? yeah like, exactly yeah. um it, ju- it just it just it feels kind of shitty what is nice i will say this is that you can download uh near automata costumes to put on everyone if you want can to you we're in a reality where downloading near automata costumes is covering up that's i was just about <laughs> to say that yes wild it's a a wild situation we're in but um, yeah yeah i don't know i i could talk about that for a very long time and i'm not going to yeah it's just it's just it's just bad it's a bad design objectively Yeah. yeah that being said i think I am also really loving the game. And I think going back to just like, I want to touch on what you're bringing up with like the PS3 E stuff. I think like in all Yokotaro's games, regardless of how successful they are doing this, he always loves kind of satirizing game conventions and like kind of pointing out how silly they are, even if they feel silly to do. But he also like genuinely loves games. And I think he knows like how powerful they can be based on what he does within them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also like as much as there's like, you know, satirical stuff like, OK, like I think he even said with Dragon Guard, he was like, I've always been disturbed by like games that give you like a kill count. He's like, how like crazy is that? That that's what we like want in a game. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those games are about like questioning that. Um, on the PS2 even, which was like 10 years before that was like a question people asked. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, stuff like in both Automata and Replicant, the camera will constantly zoom around. And just by changing the camera angle, it'll change the the way the game feels and looks. So like 
there's a point in Replicant where the camera just goes top down and suddenly it's Zelda. And like, yes, I just think cool. he has such a strong understanding of like how powerful that is. And like, it's cool. I think we talked about this a lot with Chris, where it's like, it's cool when games like use other games as an influence for the narrative and not like trying to be like another piece of media. You know, I think like it's very comfortable just like pulling from the power of other games. And it's really interesting when it pays off and it can be very like frustrating when it's again it's adding by addition so it's like he is sort of like this jackson pollock of ideas where it's like he's just throwing so much paint at the canvas like eventually it's going to be beautiful yeah but there's a lot of just like colors mixed together that shouldn't have been mixed together (laughs) (laughs) but that's i I would much rather play a game that has those flaws but has the moments that automata does than like a seven out of ten the whole time you know like and i think it's really a matter of like if you enjoy the highs of his games enough to put up with the lows but automata did a great thing by making the lows like not very low (laughs) (laughs) right you know it just like okay running around is kind of tedious that's it yeah there i i have already had in you know the early hours of this game moments of like like a deep existential thought i guess um yeah i don't want to i don't want to say too much for like spoiler reasons but like there's some stuff going on with the relationship between near and and his sister that i think are like so spectacularly handled and it's all literally just like i mean because as you already mentioned like she's sick and like is hanging back at the house and like you're out adventuring and doing things to like try and find a cure for her and like almost between every single mission anytime you visit like a new area or like a new town um or and like fight a big boss or whatever uh near will be like i gotta go check on my sister like i have to go back i have to go see how she is and you go back and she's like always like pretty much fine but is like so glad that you came back to like hang out with her and like literally every time it happens i'm just like oh my heart yeah it's so nice i also really like near as a protagonist i mean too i think the whole voice cast came back and like it's the same voice cast from before some really great voice actors there uh laura bailey i think is uh kine and like yeah from what i know even though the design of the character is like questionable at best people love her as a character i I think she's an incredible character i really am enjoying i wasn't expecting this to have kind of like an actual rpg party system kind of thing going on yeah Uh, so when she like joined the party i was like so fucking amped about it because she's like so fun to have around yeah there's another character too who joins later that i won't say anything about but is like i'm like actually getting chills knowing his involvement in automata and it's like maybe like one of the scariest and most beautiful things in like the lore Mm. so uh that's cool (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i don't know i mean i think it's you know there's a certain element to these games where it's like they're either for you or they're not and and that's totally fine if they aren't because he's such an out there creator but i think Basically, if you liked Automata, you will probably like this. Based on where I am right now, I can't imagine a reality where we don't bring this game up again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, there'll be more thoughts on it and there'll probably be like a spoiler episode at some point. But um, so far, I'm like, I can immediately feel why it's been such a cult classic for so long. And I'm kind of grateful just to experience these characters in the story because Automata means so much to me. And and really, like, without exaggerating, that game has changed a lot of the way I, like, think about, like, life (laughs) in general and also games. Like, it really is that profound at its best moments. And a lot of that is up to you. And that's the thing about these games is, like, there are a lot of moments that will hit harder for other people. I think Yokotaro at his best knows how to pack an emotional punch and yeah. he, he knows what he's doing with that so yeah yeah near replicant near numbers 24601 javert 
at you, last. <laughs> uh, it's available on what PS4 and Xbox and maybe PC. Yeah, it's it's on the like I guess I want to say current gen systems because I feel I'm still not used to next gen and no one has them yet. So yeah. like you know, uh, uh, but yeah, it's on PS4 and it looks really nice. Uh, I mean, like I think the characters have always been kind of purposely uncanny valley a little bit. Uh, totally. but like it works for the tone of the game. You know what they I'm look so like? I'm so not used to seeing eyes because I'm so used to the blindfolds. Oh <laughs> of yeah, the characters. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're like in interiors talking to other characters, it feels so much like Fantasia to me. It does. Yeah. Um, it has a little bit of that. They look like kind of like toy models. Yeah. A little bit. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm having a really good time with it. I'm really excited to play more. Me too. I feel like I'm splitting my time between like a bunch of games that I feel like very strongly about in like a very like emotional way. Um, and I'm glad to have crossed two of them off the list with Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. So like now I can devote more time to Nier. That's the thing too, uh, not to get too into it, but like playing, you said meant before, like playing Fez alongside Eco, you could see like the yeah. like uh, design influence, but like there is so much like symbolism from eco that is somehow also in the replicant that it's, is like fucking my mind yeah it's wild i very very literally finished eco and then immediately started near and it really just felt like i was playing like a sequel to eco for a second it was like yeah. really bizarre i saw like a shadowy horned child and i'm like what the fuck where am i <laughs> <laughs> are they just gonna be in every game i play now i can't wait to unlock my league of legends champion <laughs> just like a shadow with horns <laughs> My dad's the king! (laughs) (laughs) That feels like a good uh, note to end on. I think so. But yeah, we'll be back with more Near Replicant. And uh, I think if you want want to play it, you've already got it. I think that's kind of... We don't need to worry too much about recommendations here. Yeah, that's probably true. I am curious, though, like once... I, I keep trying to figure out if I would recommend playing Automata or this first. I don't know yet, obviously, because I'm still so early on. But I do feel like time is so irrelevant in these games that, like, if you play one before the other, you'll have the like jaw dropping moments once you get to the other one. I think you know? so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I have a sneaking suspicion that like if this one doesn't go in like a really wild direction uh, towards the end, this would be the one to play first. But uh. I guess we'll see. That's that's the one thing that I'm like bummed about a lot of the reviews I've seen is like nobody who's finished the game has explicitly been like, if you haven't played Automata, play this one first. I'm just very curious, like the people who finished it, what is their recommendation? Right. Um, maybe someone out there has answered that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, chronologically, it's Guard 3, Guard 1, near near Automata. <laughs> But uh-huh. I think even if you played all those games in that order, you wouldn't be like, I get it. <laughs> you would, just, you <laughs> right. would have more questions and yeah. more complaints. Uh, <laughs> I played Call probably... of Duty Mobile, then League of Legends Wild Rift. <laughs> then the longing for 400 days and then Dragon Guard 2. And now I understand near replicant. Yeah. Then Leaf Green. Uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you want to wrap up? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, uh, thank you so much for listening. We're really happy to be back. This went much better than I think we were uh, thinking <laughs> just based on our time off. Uh, but uh, if you like the show, you know what to do. The best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend who you think would like it. Uh, Into the Cast Online is our hub for all our different platforms. For all things gaming. For all things gaming. I actually was thinking to myself, this is going pretty smoothly. And then you just threw a tomato at me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> 
our YouTube, our Twitch. We've been streaming a little bit more. I'm still doing my uh, Emerald Nuzlocke run, which has been fun. And I think I might be streaming my next like project. Because I think you and I just sort of impromptu stream every now and then. But I'm trying to think of like once the Nuzlocke stream is done, what the next thing is for me. Yeah. And I think I might be doing like a playthrough of the Mass Effect remasters. Like oh. just over time, do the whole trilogy. I'm so excited about that. Uh, that could be fun. That comes out soon. The next few weeks are like we're getting out of the doldrums and into like hit after hit after hit it's like yeah. there's something we have in our calendars pretty much every next week but um i picked up a bunch of stuff that i'm excited to bring to the show soon and like we said earlier and a few times this episode this week you will also get the eco and shadow of the Colossus bonus which we're really excited to record later today so that's it uh just thank you so much we're happy the show has been uh, going as long as it has and that people like listening to it. it it just it's the best it's so much fun to do yeah we're like really coming up on three years which is cool yeah season four begins in june yeah wild Wow. Uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of people have been saying very nice things about the show recently. So just, just thank you to everybody who's listening and yeah, doing thanks. that and sharing it with people. Um, it's cool. It's really cool, man. Um, oh, you know what the big one is for me next week is Returnal. I'll probably, oh, shit. speaking of like streaming and playing stuff, I'm having a weird time streaming recently. I've been trying to do it and like, it hasn't been working. I think it's like bad internet stuff, but, uh, I'll at least like record some footage of playing Returnal and like mm. throw that online. Cause anytime a big roguelike comes out, I'm going to, play it and probably put it on the channel and return yeah. seems like the biggest roguelike like a triple a roguelike um yeah, so right. that's exciting um that comes out on friday i'm excited i'm about very that. curious let me know how that is because like every trailer i watch I just have more questions basically yeah from what i've heard of people who have played it it is good so, uh that's, oh, cool. that's all i'll say um <laughs> but uh I'm, I'm excited i'm excited to check it out anyway yeah. uh, also just to have a ps5 game in general <laughs> yeah man will be nice i keep being like i'll get myself ps5 as a gift i'm like maybe i should wait like another two months before i do that yeah man i don't really know i don't really know what the reasons are i will say like i had a great time playing eco on my ps5 but also that was like through playstation now which is you know available on ps4 so you could just like go do that uh i played shadow of the colossus on i played the ps4 version of that so obviously works on ps4 as far as ps5 stuff goes like not really anything even near which i'm playing on ps5 is a ps4 game technically so yeah i don't know you know what did just come out on ps5 though and i'm fucking amped about it i might actually like dip back into it this summer is a uh, judgment judgment got oh re- hell yeah got yeah. re-released for next gen uh they did like a bunch of stuff to it so it's now on ps5 and the xbox series um and i loved what i played of judgment and then like moved on from it for like i think probably podcast reasons if i had to guess but like i really want to play more of that game because i loved what i played yeah Yeah. i love i love what i've experienced in the yakuza games i mean you and i both played like a dragon and loved it although i feel like i have spoiled myself by starting with like a dragon because i just want like the next like a dragon chapter Dude, that's my big problem i so every yakuza game is on game pass and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play the Yakuza games. It's finally going to happen. And I went in and I started playing Zero and I just like couldn't get into it. And a lot of you it, liked it. I mean, you liked it in the beginning, at least. I, yeah, I liked it in the beginning. I think I brought it to the show at one point. You like did, I, yeah. I enjoyed what I was playing of it, but I realized that like over time I wasn't going back to it and I like didn't feel the pull to go back to it. And I started to realize that it was like I just liked Ichiban as a character so much. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I specifically, Stephen, I think it's much better as a turn-based combat game, which I was, I'm like mm. really surprised by. I'm like really yeah. shocked that that's the case. I think Judgment feels very different 
in that regard because like even though it is still like the active like you know hand-to-hand combat stuff um the story and the actual like mechanisms by which you play the rest of the game are so different than everything yeah. else so anyway judgment yeah it's out. i'm really curious what will follow because I, I think there's like this debate of like okay is like a dragon like we've passed the baton to ichiban which it, it's what it feels like yeah but it also might just be like a standalone weird piece of like here's a different guy totally because uh, every other game is the same protagonist so we'll see i would love a follow-up because i think that he has like much more uh i want to see more adventures with ichiban and friends me too and again it's, it's the party too like he's got a lot of great characters around him yeah so all right well that's it goodbye <laughs> my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm stephen hilger you can find me at stephen hilger have a wonderful day goodbye thank you aj goodbye. for everything you do thanks aj for everything you do bye Farms. TWG, the worst garbage, the online.